0: This year, travel advisors are experiencing incredibly high demand, which leads to an unprecedented number of details to confirm for each trip. We're tackling one of the biggest challenges that advisors face today, managing the multitude of small details that go into each trip. We're talking spa, dining, and all those granular details that make for an incredible itinerary as long as everything goes smoothly.
1: Today, we're joined by Katie Fisher, owner of Origins Travel. And fellow Teeth team member, Candy specializes in multi-leg FIT with concierge-level touches sprinkled into every trip.
0: Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teeth.
1: We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management-level HR professional... We grew a
0: small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency and now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins.
1: We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine, so pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. We are going to start off this episode with our favorite and probably most popular way of organizing travel details, which is by using an online itinerary creation system. For the purpose of this topic, we'll specifically be discussing Travify. And I love Travify. I have always loved it. One of the reasons being is that you can view all details at a glance. So even if I was doing a sun and sand type trip, I would always put that itinerary into Travify because it was a quick way for me to make sure that the flights were loaded. The reservation (laughs) had transfers on it because I've gotten multiple times where I like just totally blank that they need a driver from the airport. (laughs) And then I put it into Travify and I can quickly see like, is the little driver there? Yes or no. And that's a detail I can go back to the reservation specialist for. I really, really like that it gives you that bird's eye view of what's happening each day of the trip. And the icons, again, they've saved me more times than I care to explain because I could quickly see, especially when I was managing concierge levels, you can like see on the side of Travify each day by day and like the little icon associated with what's happening in that day. So when I was managing or when I would have clients reach out and want to add on the itinerary creation service for X amount of dollars per day, I could quote it pretty quickly because I never charged people for days when they're traveling. I found that very icky. So if I saw like multiple flights, multiple cars, and there was nothing else really available for them to do, I would never charge them. That was just a me thing. That doesn't have to be a you thing, but it allowed me to quickly see just kind of the gist of what's happening apparently this is also new. You can assign tasks per trip. It's a newer feature. I've personally not used it. I have to be transparent in this episode. I have not booked itineraries or any sort of travel for anyone in uh, about three years. So I've never particularly used this. However, when it comes to delegating tasks, and particularly if you have a VA or any sort of support staff, that kind of thing is huge to be able to assign tasks.
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest features that Travify added was that task management. The way that I think is that travel joy to me is my hub of processing from like an actual project management perspective, whereas Travify is my hub for all things to do with that individual trip when it comes to the details of actually planning it. So to me, that's one of my favorite new features. Again, I'm not currently planning. This was Probably added actually like as I was transitioning out, but Travify has so many new features now. It's like bonkers. Back to your point about the icons. I think that's huge because a lot of people are very visual when it comes to looking at an itinerary and it reads better than access to me. I haven't worked with UMAP, so I can't speak to that. And I'm not saying anything negative about any other itinerary creators, but just having a place where you can at a glance, see what's been confirmed and not confirmed. It was important to me to also create the same format in my Travify so it would be like description, price point, confirmation details, reservation under XYZ name and I kept that same format. So I think it's very easy to get mixed up or miss details or misconfirming something if you're not using that same pattern every time because you're going your eyes are going to look to the same place. So that's something that I think is huge and a best practice is keep the pattern the same, use an itinerary software that allows you to read it like a resume at a glance and double check everything. I'm currently creating Robin's itinerary and I've audited it like 14 times. I'm like, is this confirmed? Is this confirmed? And we ended up for our niche members, we actually ended up creating this table template that you can copy and paste and then put in the details into Travify. That way I can see what rows have blank information. And it allows me to know like, oh, I still have to fill in that. So Robin knows the contact information or where to meet the tour guide or if payment is still due on site, because we'll get to this in a minute, but not everything is able to be prepaid. So when you have details like that, it's important to have it on the itinerary because you don't want someone to be mad at you when they're in destination. They think they've paid for everything. And then boom, they're hit with this bill at the end of a tour. That'll bring us to working with suppliers that offer concierge details. So something that is really important to me is that the documents also reflect what you're putting in Travify. And if that supplier was able to offer those details, I would be able to copy and paste it and even take like a mini screenshot and then upload that as the image. That's something that I found as an extra reassurance, instead of digging through the documents every time when I was auditing or digging through my emails, is that I could just click on that media button and see the image and say, okay, yes, the screenshot is attached. I'm not losing my mind. That detail is confirmed. And it just saved me a lot of back and forth in that auditing process. But I know that not every supplier... And when I talk about suppliers, I'm talking about wholesaler DMC. Not every supplier is going to offer concierge level assistance. For example, I used Tailored Spain for this beautiful family itinerary last year. And they are mega foodies and they wanted dinner reservations every night. And so I went to Tailored Spain and said, hey, can you confirm these dinners? And they said... Yes, for this XYZ fee, which to me was completely worth it because I had accounted for an extra buffer in my fee to the client. But if I had not had that extra buffer, I think there's always a trade off in deciding what do you want to keep in your pocket, what's worth your time. And that's, we're going to dive into a lot of that because there are trade-offs at every turn. So to me, working with a supplier that offers those concierge level details was able to get that out of my mind, put it on the supplier and have it all in one document wrap up rather than me comparing my documents versus their documents and going back and forth. Just a lot less chance for error along the way. So I would say keep an eye out. I think a lot more suppliers are actually going to be charging this concierge-level fee. I know that, for example, Classic Vacations, they offer concierge-level service, but it's now above a certain threshold. I think it's like 8K or 10K?
2: I think 10,000.
0: Okay. So with seeing demand, a lot of these these companies just can't manage all these concierge level details, just as we as advisors can't. So we can't be mad that they can't manage it because they weren't staffed to book every dinner reservation for your client. They're staffed to handle hotel bookings, transfers, and these bigger pieces of the puzzle. And when you're asking them to book a spa booking for one person, and then they have to go back and forth and be like, okay, but do you want like a female service provider, a male service provider, what service, how long, like, all of these details take up so much time. So if you are outsourcing this to your suppliers and you're asking them, make sure you're going in strong with like a very finite list of what you want. Be courteous because everything that we're asking of our suppliers has this complete waterfall effect to everyone else. If I'm asking for dinner reservations, it's taking that person away from servicing someone else's booking. So let's be courteous. Let's do what we can to do our part while also still protecting our clients. And I think protecting our clients, there is a piece of that, that to me, if it can live with the supplier, I think there is a protective piece to your clients there. Next up, this is my go-to, especially for itineraries that I'm not necessarily looking for that extra boost of income. And I'm like, hey, this is absolute mayhem this year. I'm going to hand this over to the hotel. So Katie, talk us through when you would decide to either provide that request to the supplier or maybe shift it to the hotel concierge.
2: I think it depends on the supplier I'm working with. Like you just covered some suppliers will offer it. So like I feel like this year is crazy. And I've had a few suppliers be like, we are not doing any of that little stuff, just depending on demand. And then it's also, I feel like it's like this delicate balance of like, do I want to make money off of it? Chances are no, because let's be honest, tours and massages and that type of thing, it's not where the bulk of our commission comes from. And so I've always thought of my time in terms of like, how much am I paying myself per hour? And what can I like offload? So for the most part, I work with DMCs. So like the big tours and activities would be taken care of by them. But little things like dining, spa appointments, and one off things like theater tickets or whatever. For the most part, I go to the hotel concierge. So about a month out is when I tell my clients like final call. First of all, like I don't allow these like last minute week before trip requests, Um, you have to have them in by a certain point. Then I have a template saved in my Gmail where a month out, I send an email to every hotel that the client is staying at. So if they're doing like a multi-stop itinerary, which is for the most part what I planned, but I'll send this email to the hotel. I will copy everyone I can on it. So like the concierge, guest relations, if like in Virtuoso, for example, there's like the contact list, anyone that I think may be relevant to this request. And I go through this whole checklist of I am so-and-so and I am contacting you on behalf of my client. They're arriving for this trip celebrating their anniversary. So they like cover who they are and why they're coming. And then I confirm their booking details just to make sure because there have been times where like I had a hotel email me back and they're like, we don't have that on record. Um, that has but- happened
0: more times than I yeah. wish I yeah. could say, but also... I think it's important to note that not every supplier has the same pull with a hotel. So making sure that you're reconfirming those details is going to be imperative this year. Like a room category is going to sell out this summer in Greece. That is a fact. So if you are not making a relationship with the hotel, you are genuinely putting your clients at risk to be bumped. And again, that does rely on the relationship that you have, the consortia you have, but I just wanted to to note that because I think it's a really important point as people are starting to see people depart for summer travel in the near future. It's never been more important to like make yourself known.
2: I did not do that, the whole like confirming the reservation up until like a year and a half ago because I had sent an email to the hotel requesting like a spa appointment. And they're like, Spa appointment for who? We don't have them on a, like a reservation, so I confirm the booking details. But then I ask, I say, additionally, I'd like to request or confirm the following details. And then I have a checklist. And if it's not applicable to the client, I obviously remove that from the template. But I ask about a welcome amenity, amenity, or if they have a menu that I can choose from. I attach a personalized welcome letter and ask them if they can place it with that gift or amenity. And if they If they can't, some people or some hotels have responded and said they can't, and that's okay. And then I ask about any, well, this is not as relevant now, but I ask about any COVID specific restrictions or interruptions in service that I can pass along to my client. And then I say, I have a few requests for their stay. Can you please confirm the following dinner reservations for this? And I don't like keep it general. My emails, sometimes they probably open them and they're like, ooh. But
0: Mm -hmm.
2: like I know Jen, you I say clear is kind. I don't want to do 16 emails back and forth. I want to send one email and then the next email I get back is them confirming. So I want this dinner reservation at this time, or I give like a a window between this time and this time on this day at this restaurant. The clients would also like a spa appointment for this treatment. They want female technicians around like sometime in the morning. Like I give as much detail as possible. And then I have like other things I ask about early check in late checkout, if they have medical considerations, like I give them the full rundown. And then I also attach the reservation from the vendor. And that has been so helpful because I have the email template saved. So I just fill it in, I attach what I need to attach, and I send it out. And instead of me spending hours researching, because some of like, a, especially over in Europe, i feel like it's not just easy to make a dinner reservation on open table and then usually within a day or two i get an email back and they're like everything's confirmed you know i mean so. they have someone designated for that if you're booking
0: five star you definitely have someone designated for that in at the hotel what do dinner reservations spa bookings and sourcing one-off hotels outside your scope all have in common you don't ever have to do them again No, seriously, that's what Lucia is for. Lucia is a freelancer marketplace where you can outsource items on your to-do list on a task-per-task basis. All freelancers are sourced from within the travel industry. So if you're wondering, will they get it? They will. For a $57 discount on your annual membership, head on over to the show notes and join Lucia today. We're not saying that everyone should be booking five star. There's a range. Like you can definitely be a travel advisor, a fantastic travel advisor, and be booking three and four star. Maybe don't expect your concierge to help with that. Maybe don't offer that service to your clients. Robin mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that we actually had an upcharge for these concierge level fees. So this is something to consider. If you want to be the advisor that rolls out the red carpet, Maybe there's an additional fee that goes with booking the concierge-level details to compensate for your time and the risk you're taking on. Because if that hotel says, no, we can't do that for you, which I've had a hotel tell me that, and I was like, you're a five-star hotel. But they were overwhelmed and understaffed because it was post-COVID or in a moving into a post-COVID world. You have to give grace in those moments. But at the same time, I don't speak Spanish. It was in Spain. I'm not going to call... I didn't know the best restaurants to even call. And then it takes you half a day to find three restaurants that you can stand behind that aren't just tourist traps. There is so much that goes into these details that if you're offering this service, I do think that you should very much be compensated for your time. Katie, I want to unpack a few things that you mentioned. I'm like taking notes as you're talking here. You ask your clients for these requests well in advance. I am of the stance that I do not make any changes within two weeks of departure. And anything that changes in travel will be handled solely by your concierge and your hotel. Like, I do not want people coming back to me in the middle of the night and asking me to change their dinner reservation. And for that reason, that's why I shifted from handling it myself to working through the hotel because I was having so many people come to me and I was like, this is an ego trip. Like, why do I need the credit? I don't need the credit. I want to shift that responsibility and empower the client to take control, especially when the bulk of my clients were millennials and younger. So like they wanted to feel independent for the most part. I would say the majority wanted to have that semi independence and they wanted to be able to go to the con- concierge and do something on their own. They didn't want to have to text me to do something for them, or they're just not going to show up to their reservation. If you make it harder, they're just not going to go. And then you're going to look bad to that hotel. Another thing you mentioned, menu of amenities. I don't think everyone's a VIP. Like don't tell every hotel ever that everyone's a VIP because they're going to be exhausted by you, especially if you use that hotel a lot. So like don't use your VIP card up too much.
2: It's so funny that you say that because I. (laughs) I, hopefully none of my clients hear this, but some of my clients are not VIP. Just because you yeah. spent, you know, a couple of thousand. Like, there are clients who spend twenty five thousand, and there are clients who spend seven. And also, it just depends on the client as well. Like, if I have someone who's going on a really special trip, like I have a family who's traveling soon, they're celebrating the end of cancer treatment. They were more VIP. budget, but they're oh VIP. My gosh, I love that. So yeah. So like, I actually in that email template, one of the lines I have is, "I'm emailing to kindly request that my clients are VIP'd. If they are not VIP, I remove that." And I'm still asking for things on their behalf, but like, not every client's VIP. And then to that point, I wanted to make sure I mentioned because personally, I feel like the world's getting a little bit sassy. But I end every email with thank you so much for taking care of my clients in advance. Like, be nice. These concierge and reservation manager, like they're probably getting bombarded by emails, like, give them a hot minute to read it and respond and just be nice. And Yes, not every client is a VIP. I try not to abuse that. Overutilize that, that. yeah.
0: I I also think like give a grace period of a concierge for three days, okay? They are handling in-destination travelers and you want them to be handling in-destination travelers because that same courtesy is gonna be extended to your client. So don't be sassy if your booking is two months from now and they haven't confirmed your dining. Maybe that restaurant isn't even taking reservations yet. So just take a beat my friend Heather always says like, you're not a special star. And I like love to remember that. Like I am not a special star. Okay. There are lots of stars that they are handling right now. But you mentioned charging for amenities, like sending you a menu. I would love your insight on this because this is like a whole episode in itself. We will do one. It's already on the calendar. I don't do that. I don't ever pay for the amenity. If I'm going to pay for anything, if I'm going to do client gifting, which is very rare, which again, I'll elaborate on that in another day if I'm going to do client gifting, it's not going to be in the destination where they're going to leave a hundred bottle, hundred dollar bottle of wine because they didn't get a chance to drink it because they had an entire bottle of wine at the restaurant. Do you do that?
2: I very rarely pay for amenities. So if they offer yeah. a complimentary, and like you said, it depends on the hotel. I've had people stay at three-star hotels where they won't even help me with the dinner reservations. They're like, no, sorry, we don't do that. You know, So it, it depends, but like most of the four and five star hotels that I choose to book clients into, they usually have a complimentary amenity, usually, and I, that I just go, "That's great, thank you for arranging yeah. that." I'll, I'll do that. Once in a while, especially if the complimentary amenity is something my client is like allergic to, or if I have clients who don't drink alcohol and the complimentary amenity is a bottle of wine, or like I had clients who went on a baby moon and the yes. other partner wasn't drinking in like. You know, solidarity. Yeah, solidarity. (laughs) So, like, neither of them were going to be drinking. And they were like, oh, we'll leave a bottle of like bubbly in the room. I'm like, no, you won't. One is six months pregnant and the other one's not drinking. So, then I will say, can I see the menu? And as long as it's like, you know, I'm not going to pay $85 for chocolate covered strawberries. But
0: no, I asked for milk and cookies for that one. I always ask for milk and cookies for a baby moon because, like, who's mad at milk and cookies at Turn Down? Nobody. Oh,
2: that's what I had at Turn down last night before I went to bed so um <laughs> the fisher abode but no I I will ask to see an amenity menu if I don't have any other ideas and they're a client yeah. and I do want to do something for it I don't know I feel like it's a very delicate balance do I like you as a client did you book enough for me to dig into my commission there's just so much yeah I was into it so
0: I agree with that I also wanted to mention, you mentioned printing welcome letters. I'm all, I love this. I love this. But something to think about that I really have recently been shifting my mindset on it is that every time we ask someone to print something, there's a resource taken away from the hotel. So that's ink, that's paper. It's not, you know, if we're all trying to do our part and be a better steward of the destination that we're promoting maybe pull back on asking for a picture to be printed out in the room and put in a frame because it's putting the responsibility on the hotel to make a frame or get the frame and then also like the ink and paper but also taking someone away from the desk to have that delivered to the room like i think really think that through i love atelier in riviera maya because it actually they project it on the screen i think that's fantastic and a lot of hotels have the ability to do that particularly the sun and sand genre of hotels, they have a lot of ability to put that on the screen rather than printing it. So I hesitate to use the the word sustainability because I think it gives the vibe of like eco lodge. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, let's all do our part and put a little intention behind it. So if you are thinking of having something printed, make sure they are in that VIP category.
2: Yeah, I, and I keep my welcome letters like black ink. It's like my fonts, but it's just like Origins Travel Co.
1: Two sentences.
2: Thanks for allowing me to play a role in your vacation. And I have had hotels come back and say, like, we can't print this. We don't. That's against our policy. And I'm like, that's cool. It's not going to make a break. I've never had a client be like, where's my welcome letter? Like, it's fine that I don't tell the clients that they're getting a welcome letter. It's not a big deal. I just try to, you know, remember we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. All
0: right. I took that and ran with it. So I apologize, but continue on your point. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, um there's so much I could say about it. So the other part of it is when I arrange these concierge little details with the hotel directly, I think we kind of touched on it and I wanted to be sure to come back to it. I, within a month of departure, I let the clients know like this is the final call. And once I do this, if you want changes made, or if you want to add more, it's an additional fee. Like I had a client who she was the sweetest woman, but she just dilly dallied. And three days before she left, she's like, we want to change a few things. I was like, you will do that at the hotel with the concierge. Because by the time I send this email and they receive it, you'll be there. So I think like, and I've seen some advisors, you know, getting stressed out in Facebook groups about like, what do you do about last minute requests? I don't do anything about them. I don't do them. Because at some point it is the client's responsibility. Like you hired me to plan your trip, but you are more than welcome to talk to the concierge once you get there. And that's why I chose this hotel for you. So, and then in their final documents for things like dining reservations, for example, I'll say, this has been confirmed for this time. It's under this name. Here's the dress code, yada, yada. If you wish to make any amendments to this reservation, you can either call the restaurant directly and I'll give them the number or work directly with your concierge. I make it clear that like, here are your two options. So making sure that I put direction in their itinerary for how to handle amendments and changes or cancellations or whatever. Along with that, because I like to hold my clients to a pretty high standard for tourism, like there are a lot of badly behaved travelers out there. I make sure that they understand that like somebody took the time to make this reservation for you and there's a table waiting for you. Don't do a no show. This was especially Ooh, important last year. That. That's such a great way to say it. Like there's somebody who got ready for work and went to work and they're expecting a tip and now there's an empty table. So that was especially important last year for the island of Maui. The restaurant Mama's Fish House books up six months out. So as soon as I get a Maui booking, I'm like, do you want to eat there? Because we got to book it now. We got to do it right now before we do anything else. So if you are going there, you need to eat there because it's the most
1: amazing meal I've ever had in my life.
0: I had someone no-show there. (gasps) Oh! I did. That's,
1: first of That's all, I'm sad because terrible. that fish. I'm from Florida, and my standard for fish is incredibly high being from South Florida. And Jen's like, you got to go, you got to go. And I was like, "I roll." Like, this person's going to have better fish than what I've had. Yeah, they have better fish than anywhere I've ever had in my life. And I've been all over the Caribbean. So... you got to go there.
2: I try to like make sure my client and I do it in a gentle, kind way. I'm not like, you know, a dictator about it. But don't please don't like no show if you wish to make a change to this. Here's how you do it. And actually, the Mama's Fish House thing just reminded me like, I know we're going to touch on client gifting in a different episode. But that's more of the gifting type stuff I like to do is, oh, you have a reservation at Mama's Gift House gift card. There you go. And like attach it to the itinerary. Especially if I get you a gift card, don't no show because now I can't, I can't use that gift card. So yeah, I, just I have to share what happened with that because yeah, it's
0: I, it's wor- it's worse than it yeah it's worse than it even sounds. Another okay, well I this client who they really they were very annoyed that even though I had provided they they outlined specifically the style of dining they wanted and they. Overshot it because they had two young kids with them and they just, you know, they got a little overambitious. I am guilty of this, but like they, I had gotten this reservation from another advisor whose guests had canceled their trip. So like not only had this reservation just been obtained. It had been obtained and then handed off. And I was like, you have to go under the name of Pamela Kraus." You know, like, you <laughs> <was, blonde> <laughs> <laughs> like, now, and so the other advisor then calls me and was like, I just got told that you're. Client was a no-show. And now I'm like sweating talking about this because they this advisor. Actually, I like think the world of them. They live in my same town. So now it's like, not only is the, you know, the restaurant like out of table. Now this advisor is like, you mismanaged my reservation. I could have given to someone else. There are so many other advisors I would have given that booking to, obviously, or just gifted that reservation back to the world. But yeah, it was. Katie, I think you make a really good point of like, again, being a steward of the destination. I didn't think of the local resource you're taking away when you don't show for a reservation. Yes, I did think about it, but not in that very literal sense that someone was expecting a tip of a special event. They knew that Robin was going there. They had done like bio research on her. And now that information, if they did the same for this next customer, it's gone. And that's effort and time they can't get back. And maybe... The chef had made a little cake for their special celebration or something like all of these things we don't think about because we don't see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's part of our job as an advisor is advising our clients. And I love that you mentioned that because I definitely had the like, go to your concierge in bold, if you want to change this, but I didn't have that local touch. And I think that's really important that you reiterated that, that
1: humanizes it. the process. Cause like you said, we don't see the backhand human side of it. It's just like their vacation. And we're so like, I'm main character energy. Especially on vacation, that you don't think about other people as much. So that's like, that would make me pause and stop and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Also, when you're planning these details, like it's nice to be able to say on the front end, like, hey, if we're going to make these reservations, you can change some things on the go, but like certain things like dinner reservations at these particular, like small little piazza places in Italy, you know, there's people waiting on your tip. They're excited to see you. Like, don't be a last minute lazy susan and then do it then like let's figure it out on the front end so that your trip is good so that's a, such a good such a good way to say
0: it robin and i were in italy and we were hosting this wedding for 60 people and the grooms were set to take their like it wasn't even a rehearsal dinner but it was like greeting their their main characters of the event like they're bringing the
1: they
0: characters <laughs> they were characters i love them but the parents and their best friends, they were doing like a special dinner before the rehearsal dinner and they were 15 minutes late and they're like on the phone. These are like close friends that they're like yelling at me because they're so upset they're being turned away. Like that's another thing. Europe's not going to wait on you. Okay. They are like moving on. We filled your table. But I, I had gotten so many emails when I was doing these direct to restaurant requests and they would email me to say, yes, you need to reconfirm 24 hours in advance. And I'm like, now I'm having to go back, reconfirm everything. And now I'm more in my email than I needed to be. I I just feel like there's just like this, again, it's a snowball effect, but we were getting so many emails from restaurants saying, are your guests going to show up? Because they were saying, I had I had, I know the restaurant, it was Chez Denise in Paris. And they're not wrong. They were like, we're just asking because a lot of Americans don't take reservations as seriously as Europeans. And they they didn't mean they were being direct, but they weren't being unkind when they said that. And I was like, touche. So Katie, never thought about that. We need to add it to the template in the supplier bundle. And I'll just take a minute and mention, if you're wondering how to get any of these templates, we actually have a lot of these templates, if not... Well, we have a lot more of these templates, but specifically the supplier emails that we're talking about and the VIP letters, we have that in our supplier bundle as an add-on to our EEW in our programs. Here's the thing. We know that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. A top pain point for any business owners, often knowing when or even how to grow a team. How do you create a job description? Where do you post it? How do you interview? What red flags should you be looking for? How do you onboard when you're slammed with your own tasks, and then comes the actual ongoing performance management? Combining our knowledge from careers and recruitment and HR management, we created Agency Expansion Academy. This program is your DIY roadmap on how to hire and retain top talent within your business so that you can scale to the next level. Chocked full of insight and downloadable resources, this program can help you grow whenever you're ready. To learn more and to enroll today. Follow the link in the show notes.
2: The other thing, like aside from dining, I'd say that's one of the bigger ones, but is transfers. So for the most part, the DMC or the vendor that I worked with would handle the transfers, but for little like one-off things, like if I have a client who's going to a nearby golf course for a tea time, I'm not going to like worry about that as far as like booking it and getting commission on it. So using the concierge for transportation, if needed, like even if they're just calling a cab, hey, they want a tea time at this nearby golf course, but they're also going to need a ride to and from. So including those details, along with the whole email that I send. Then I think this one is more, I don't I want to say, yeah, it probably is more of a rarity, but... I also noticed that travel advisors, and I used to do this too, would post in these Facebook groups, like, I'm trying to find this specific tour or this specific experience and none of my vendors carry it. I can't find it anywhere. How do I book it? Just book it direct. Save yourself the time and the energy and the strife and just book it direct. So for example, when I was booking a lot of Hawaii... There are a couple of companies that like I've done excursions or activities with that clients would be really interested in, like a certain doors off helicopter tour, for example, and like Viator Project Expedition wouldn't carry it. Like I'm not going to stress myself out about like finding one that's so similar so I can get like an $18 commission. I am just going to go on the website for that exact tour and I'm going to book it direct and then the client can work directly with that vendor here's everything, here's the confirmation. And sometimes the vendors you know, would pay a small commission, but pretty rare. And it wasn't anything to like write home about. But I am never going to, again, it comes back to like putting a price on your time. If I theoretically want to be paying myself $50 an hour or $75 an hour or something like that, if I waste three hours trying to chase an $18 commissionable tour, what, like why? It's not just, no, like now you're in the in the red. So like if the concierge can't help me with it and a vendor can't help me with it, I'm just going to go right to the source and I'm going to book it as long, there's an asterisk there, as long as it's someone I know I can stand behind. So it was usually like, well, I did this kayaking tour with this company in Maui and I loved it. I'm going to book you directly with that company instead of one of the ones somewhere else that I'm not too sure of. I think Um, that's what makes you a really good advisor
1: though, is that you're putting the client's experience over... Yourself, your ego, all of that. I'll say when I went to Positano, we always use Blue Star Positano for our tours to Capri, and I don't think they ever paid out commissions or anything like that, did they, Jen?
0: They do on Viator and Product Expedition now, but it's a higher markup, and it to me, I know that those vendors are also taking a large cut, and so I had a personal relationship with Elizabeth at Blue Star, and I'm like. Frankly, my relationship isn't worth it for that commission. If I'm booking it every week and it's, it is it is a $120 commission on Viator, but like also not everyone has the budget to accommodate that extra markup. So
1: crazy. yeah, it was super important. I went with my mom, and my sister, we took a trip on Blue Star and we did Capri for a day. We had our own private boat. Our dude, was Mario, he was literally incredible. The day was unbelievable. That made our time in Positano. Like I didn't love the hotel. Hotel Poseidon is just kind of like nothing special. It was economic for our budget. It fit. But I don't think I would have really liked Positano if I wouldn't have done that tour just because it felt very busy and I loved Ribello more and other parts of my trip more. But doing that sealed the deal on the Amalfi Coast for me. If I wouldn't have done that, and if I would have done one of those group ones that maybe wasn't like private or didn't, I just don't think I would have had the same experience. There's times when you need to, <laughs> we're in the business of wanting repeat business. And I think instead of hunting high and low for a chance to make an extra 20 bucks on a trip, some instances it's worth it to just go oh, direct and, and you'll.
2: Like if you provide a better experience, I mean, I didn't go to business school. I think a lot of my success came because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was just making it up as I went with like what sounded best. And I would rather wow the pants off of a client and have them send me another client so I can make another $2,000 commission and charge them a huge fee. And that's why I charged fees because I knew I was going to probably be booking a lot of tours that didn't have commission attached. So charging a fee to make up for that and to make up for the time but like i'd rather my clients just have a good time and then i'll worry about my books later but it it, it all like came together where like they were having a good time then they referred people so like oh no i didn't make 18 dollars commission on a kayak tour but now i just booked another 15000 dollar maui honeymoon i think a lot of advisors get caught up in having every single detail of an itinerary booked through a vendor you don't have to it's okay
0: It's hard in the beginning to see the long game, but it is the long game. Sometimes that $18 is your Travify bill for the month. So, like, I get it when people are in the beginning of their business, but I promise you, most businesses, one, are not profitable in the first year. So, like, just don't. I know not everyone has the luxury of thinking that way necessarily, but like, don't get caught up in that. If you're going into business, you probably need to know that. And you need to expect that. First of all, that not every business is profitable in the first year, but it's an opportunity cost. And I would have never become friends with Freya in Florence or Paola in Tuscany. If I had not gone direct because I found vendors that I really liked and I created a relationship with them. And then I, really nurtured that relationship. So now I feel like I have friends all over the world, which I'm not going to get from Project Expedition or Viator. And I'm not saying anything negative about them because I love them as a resource. They're a fantastic resource. And I think that especially Project Expedition service recovery and ability to like cancel, refund, and move you to a new tour, there is so much value in that that does not exist when you're booking direct. But if you have these vendors that you know are just fantastic and you can rely on them. I know that like Mary from Querchetto isn't going to cancel something without having a backup plan for them. She's just not going to do it. So if you have these relationships with them, now I have friends all over the world and my clients are ecstatic because they feel like they have friends all over the world. And isn't that the point of traveling? I mean, it is an opportunity cost, but you just have to think about that in the beginning. Like, okay, I know I want to plan in Italy. My fee might need to accommodate for these tours that I'm going to book direct there's a strategy behind it. So just have a little bit of foresight, get that money up front to make up for that in the end, knowing that you've created a list of solid vendors that you want to use for that trip.
1: I think that's, that's why it's so important to have those different services. Like You should be charging for the itinerary creation piece because first of all, not everyone wants it. If you're a, like working with travelers who are probably more millennial and they see everything on Instagram and they Pinterest everything before traveling they probably want to handle those details themselves. That is where I throw in, hey, based on your travel and based on your, t- your trip, here's some added tours I recommend. You can actually book these yourself if they're of interest to you. And that's where you can link the commissional links for like Viator and Project Expedition. You should give yourself enough buffer, number one, to account for your time. You should know exactly how much money you want to make and how much you should be charging per hour of your time. And this is where time tracking comes back into play. If you're not time tracking, if you're not looking at each of your trips and writing down a number of how long it took you to do that trip, I think you're leaving a lot of money on the table, and I don't think you're charging enough for your services because that's where you're going to get the actual value of your time and by working backwards and all of that. So,
2: well, and it takes time to learn this. Like, I don't want to sit here and talk about, well, I did this from day one because I did not. I remember the first time I booked something direct, like outside of a vendor relationship, and I was like, well, that's it. I'm going to go bankrupt because I didn't make commission on that. Like, (laughs) definitely, like, I was like beside myself because it was the only option. But then I was like, oh, wait, no, like I can just charge a higher fee next time to accommodate. And it was actually a lot easier because then I didn't have to like invoice it with my host and do all this extra fluff. Like I could just book it and it was done. It really frees you from the box and like the confines. I always felt
1: so confined to try to squeeze every nickel and dime out of these trips. But if I would have actually charged fees and done any sort of business savvy things to my business when I was booking... I probably wouldn't have dropped out and started Teak. So I guess it's a good thing I didn't do that. But <laughs> it, it it is, you just
0: really like right now, for example, itineraries are taking so long from DMCs because they're so overwhelmed. Do I trust a DMC to book the transfers and the tours? One hundred percent. They have their vetted list of supplier partnerships that they have in the destination and they are so much more well-equipped to find a backup. So I think it's, we can't not mention that there is risk to booking direct. If you are the one that books a train ticket on the wrong day because you reverse the month in the day, like Europeans versus American dates do, or I have booked a tour completely on the wrong day, you have to know that there is an element of risk to booking direct and you don't have a backup. You are at the backstop for that. So if that's not something you're comfortable with, think about that obviously beforehand. That leads us to our next topic, which is auditing
1: your itinerary and making sure that you're not missing any of those details. Yeah, so if you have listened to me at all in niche on here at any point in time, auditing and the admin stuff of business is part of my favorite part of owning a business. Soldering, it audit Auditing itineraries was like a jam. It was my vibe. I would do it every other week, I want to say. And it was like a whole thing. All my notifications are off. My email is out. I am focusing on just the Smiths, Italy itinerary at a time. And there's a candle lit and there's music playing. And I would go through and really just go day by day. Make sure I have everything I need inside of there. Our niche members have access, I think, to the Travify library, correct? Yes, they do. That's something we used to use. All the details for everything were inside of there. So I would go through and add all those details. But at the same time, I'm making sure that like everything associated with the trip is in there. Any reservation details, any confirmation screenshots, reference numbers, if that's needed, dress codes, pricing, all of that. I would just make sure it was like chef's kiss before anything went out the door. And this was also a lot of times when I caught the fact that their flights weren't adding up with the hotel's number of days and all of that. So it, it, I, as much as I loved doing auditing, it was also just super super crucial for my clients' experience and my business that I did it on a. You can do it on a weekly basis, depending on your travelers. So you can do it on a you know biweekly basis, like I used to do, and I would work backwards. So typically, I would audit three months before travel because if there's like an issue, I have plenty of time to make a change give yourself a buffer, three, two months, whatever it is, make sure everything's in there. And then you give yourself plenty of time. So you're not staying up till 12 o'clock at night, fixing itineraries or trying to get in contact with suppliers about changing reservation date and time and all of that stuff, because that's when you really get into some, some scary times. So yeah, it was just part of my CEO day. If you haven't heard about our CEO days, you should definitely check out our blog. We have a whole blog On CEO days, how I used to structure them, what they look like in my calendar, how I would organize them. But this was always a part of like one of my little, quote unquote, CEO days. And I love doing it, which is weird. No, it's not. I think it's like a
0: cleansing ritual to go through the itinerary. Like Every time that I audit an itinerary, I'm like, okay, yes, peace of mind. It was just like a little serotonin bump, if you will. I feel a rush of fixing situations before things happen. For example, the hotel wasn't booked. The DMC said it was confirmed, but it's not showing in their system. I actually caught this. This was a really, really rough one. It was a multi-gen trip to Ireland. And the hotel had had a glitch, canceled almost all bookings for this one window of time. And there was an infant going. And this was my hardest client to date. I'm not going to say my highest price client or my best revenue. It was just one of those very challenging clients that was a total time suck. I was so nervous and like walking on eggshells to the point where the supplier knew I was nervous too. And even like the owner of the company got on a phone call with me and was like, let's go day by day because I can tell this is just going to wreck us if anything goes wrong. And I had caught that the hotel had actually canceled their booking and they had a very few limited number of rooms left. This year like there's not going to be the luxury of like having those extra rooms. So, I'm not saying like there are some DMC's that don't love when you email the the hotel directly. Like they get offended and they think that you're not trusting them. But to me, I'm never going to not do it because it's my client. And yes, I trust them, but at the same time mistakes happen. That's human error. And it's okay. I'm not going to write off that supplier because there was a computer glitch, but like we caught it, we fix it. It's done. I get a little bit of like rush finding those things and being like, okay, problem solved before the client even knew about it. You have to be okay with being reactive in this industry. Like if that is not your jam, then you're really going to struggle long-term because it's putting out fires is part of the job. One thing that was really beneficial to me was when I brought on Ashlyn for Explore tour, she was essentially operating as a VA in that role. So I outsourced all of my auditing to her and she is the one that I'll credit her. She was the one that created that beautiful spreadsheet that's in niche. That's a trip audit spreadsheet because she was having to go through each itinerary and double check that the flight times matched Travify and the flight numbers match Travify so that that automatic update would occur and that the hotel dates match and the room categories match. And she would send the VIP and welcome letters to the hotel. So she was doing all of this auditing in the back end and it gave me real peace of mind. And. I didn't have to audit, audit, audit over and over again, but I would still touch every itinerary and just kind of like go through, make sure that the screenshots were uploaded, that certain verbiage was input into the itinerary to make sure that like that protective verbiage, like Katie mentioned, like go to your concierge. If it wasn't in there, because maybe we were just kind of like moving too fast and hadn't copied and pasted that template, I would just say like, hey, can you double check this and upload the screenshot? from the hotel, confirming these dining reservations. So having additional hands in the pot, uh, you have to trust that person because it is very vulnerable. That is probably one of the most vulnerable pieces of our business. Asking someone else to put eyes on it, it took the glasses off of me and put them on someone else. And, And sometimes we have to see, the itinerary has to be seen by someone else because we've seen it too many times and it looks the same to us. And we can look at it over and over again and won't catch certain things. That's something that was just immeasurably beneficial to our business was especially like with the volume and the, I would say, higher ticket clientele that was traveling at the end, just knowing that if I wasn't auditing every day, that there was going to be someone else that was hopefully going to catch it too. And she would just put in notes at the end of the audit checklist and say like, PNR isn't matching what I'm finding on the airline website. So I was able to go back, kind of spot check those things because she was notating certain things that were triggering her that there might've been a discrepancy. It is impossible to do everything well. And I say that because like I had to admit there were going to be massive errors that occurred if I did not have someone else helping me out in doing that because I was also managing the business. I was working in Teak and then I was trying to be everything for my clients. And it's just it's just not going to happen. And what happens when you think that you can do everything well is that you open yourself up for these risks that you then have to contribute financially to fix. And it just unravels all of that beautiful commission that you work towards and that fee. So even if you think like I'm saving money by not having someone do this, like maybe outsource a VA to audit I know that Lucia also offers concierge level services so they can do the dinner reservations for you. If you haven't heard about Lucia, it's a freelance marketplace for hospitality professionals and they just redid their dashboard. It's a pay to play situation. So you're paying per project or per task. So if you don't have a VA, if you don't have the time to hire, I would say Maybe ask if anyone wants to split a VA because they have someone that's trained and they don't have enough hours for them right now, or outsource that so that at least you're making sure that all of those details are being touched. Katie, anything to add on that?
2: Just don't chase those tiny commissions if it's if it means sacrificing your time and and your mental well being. That would be my and no one to ask for help. I think there's so many times
1: we grow our business and it happens overnight, right? Like where it's like, oh my God, no, I I can't sleep and I'm working 24 hours a day. You didn't start your business to work 24 hours a day. You didn't start your business to skip tea times with friends. You start a business for freedom. And if your business is growing as much as you say it is, you should have extra revenue which allows you to like outsource and pour into your own piece a little bit. So I'm a big fan of VA support, especially for those concierge details. I mean, it really does make all the difference because that's going to ensure every client traveling gets that special touch, gets that level of...
0: Red carpet feel.
1: Red carpet feel, let's say. Robin,
0: I'm cracking up because you just mentioned tea time. And before we started recording, (laughs) Katie mentioned she was like yeah, I've got these clients that they're going to Chablé Maroma. And I actually had the concierge set up the tea time at Fairmont. And I'm like, who the heck is going to Riviera Maya and having high tea? And she was like, no tea, like swinging a golf club. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I did also have tea in Mexico, but I was very confused by the Nothing destination. Nothing like a hot having...
2: cup of tea in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that humidity.
1: Nothing <laughs> like a nice piping
2: cup of tea. My favorite concierge <laughs> detail to arrange. But...
0: <laughs> Katie loves her TikTok and tea time at 5 a.m. in the morning. I didn't know. I thought she was just attracting like minded <laughs> <laughs> clients.
2: My demographic. So. Yeah.
0: So if you're doing everything in your business right now, you may feel like you're running on a treadmill that just won't turn off. We hope that this episode gave you some insight on ways that you can leverage relationships and technology that already exist to create some peace of mind.
1: Katie, we always love having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining again. We appreciate you sharing your experiences and expertise with us. We can't wait to have you back for another episode of Talks. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk.
0: If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode.
1: In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year.
0: Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think
1: nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community
2: today.